Welcome to the Warriors of Education podcast, bringing you heartwarming and real conversations with teachers on the front line of education from across the country. I am Karen Sarah Watson, and I am a teacher. This podcast is for those who want to better understand the experiences of today's teachers. Come join us. Welcome to the Warriors of Education podcast. Today, I'm honored to have three people who are involved in the New York City Black Lives Matters at School Week of Action Steering Committee. Uh, Martine Urbach, Denisha Jones, and Lelania Garcia. Thank you for the three of you for taking your time to come on here. So I would love to hear about yourself and about the movement, what you guys are working with, and how this is uh, related to education right now, what you're doing with education. So let's start with you, Martin, Martine. Um, hi, how you doing? It's uh, nice you. to be in community and Thank to you. my co-conspirators. Um, uh, I, uh, these days I am a music teacher and a restorative justice coordinator at Harvest Collegiate High School in Manhattan. Uh, and I, um, yeah, I'm a youth organizer, I'm a composer, I'm a drummer. Um, and um, these days, I also am a technician and a Zoom call wrangler and a Google Meet. Um, and did uh, you recently get, did you recently get honored? I, I honored at like at the National Teacher uh, Music Teachers. Uh, so uh, last year, I was nominated for the 2020 Grammy Music Educators Award as a quarter finalist, and every quarter finalist from the previous year gets automatically nominated for the following year. So I Amazing. am once again a quarter finalist as a, uh, a Grammy Music Educators. Yeah, so Incredible. And Denisha, tell me about yourself. Hi, I'm glad to be here with Martina and Melania with yourself. Um, I'm currently, I work at a Sarah Lawrence College and I'm directing of their Art of Teaching program, which is a graduate teacher ed program. Um, I've been in teacher ed for about 16 years now. I started out teaching kindergarten and working in preschool and I did a camp, I directed a campus-based preschool before I started working in higher ed doing teacher preparation and moved to New York. It's almost been a year. Great. Well, welcome. <laughs> and what a year it's been, right? <laughs> yes, I know. I didn't realize when I was moving out here that that was where I was going to get, but here we are. Amazing. Well, lucky us. Mm. Lelania, tell me about yourself. Oh, you're on. Yep. I'm muted. <laughs> yeah, I'm still learning about Zoom because it turns out that when you teach kindergarten, you spend most of your days actually with people. So this is new. Exactly. Um, anyway, my name is Lelania. The words I like people to use when they talk about me are she and her. I teach five and six-year-olds at Manhattan Country School on the Upper West Side. Um, I just finished my 20th year of teaching in New York City. Uh, it's been kind of crazy. Applause, applause. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. And um, I feel like when I am not teaching kids, I also and working with grown-ups, teaching them how to talk to little kids about gender and sexuality, um, because I work with CUNY as a gender and sexuality educator. So we talk oh, about goodness. how little kids are very respectful of each other, and little kids are really clear about a lot of things about identity, including gender and race, and really approach things the way that all of us as adults probably should. Amazing. I teach um, pre-K and K theater, so I'm on Zoom. I'm doing Zoom with these kids like every day. So I totally relate <laughs> at that age, but it's much better in person. I can definitely tell you that. 
So um, let's just get straight. Let's get started with um, the your the movement, the Black Lives Matter movement, and education. I'm I'm incredibly curious about what is what your um, how you feel about education reform, where we are right now, and where you see us going. Let's start with uh, Denisha. Sure. Um, I mean, I can tell you a little bit about how nationally Black Lives Matter at school came to be. Um, this is the 2016, and in Seattle, uh, a group of educators, um, I think it was right after the death of Mace Lando Castile, um, they decided to wear t-shirts that say Black Lives Matter to school and do like a hold of one day teaching. And as they prepared for it and word got out, um, there was a bomb threat phoned in that day, it was called off, uh, but they still were able to go ahead and have an event uh, by black men in the community still showing up and, and talking to the kids at the school. Um, and so that kind of sparked this idea with other educators across the country. Um, later that I, I was on Facebook, I follow a, a group of uh, teachers in Philadelphia called the Working, Working Educators Caucus, and they just dropped this post that said, hey, check out our Black Lives Matter at School Week of Action curriculum. And I was like, wait, what? <laughs> and it was a Google Doc and it had all these resources and it just seemed like awesome that someone was doing this. They planned like a whole week of action around the 13 guiding principles of the Black Lives Matter movement. Um, and then after that year, um, and I believe it was also done in, in another place um, before, before it went national. We kind of met at different conferences. Some of us were at Free Minds, Free People in Baltimore. Um, other folks were at other conferences, other meetups after other um, injustices after Ferguson and people got together and then we started the national um, which meant that we just had a lot of cities I think that first year somewhere between 30 to 40 cities across the country um, did the week of action that first week of Febu uh, February New York City was in on it Philadelphia Seattle parts of uh, DC Baltimore Maryland um, in other places as well and then it just grew and now each year we have groups in, in different cities across the country who just come together mostly teachers working all day and then after coming to meetings and and planning a really amazing week where we really get to like celebrate and affirm black students and their lives in in the schools and in the classroom and have you gotten i'm sure an influx of new teachers involved or have you gotten a lot coming on in the last couple of weeks there's been a lot of interest, I'd say, yeah, <laughs> different, different yeah. spaces. I think we've seen an uptick, what we were saying yesterday in our Instagram account, where people are coming and they're requesting the follow and, the, and other groups have noticed that too. Yeah, a lot of teachers are kind of looking to see, uh, you know, what, how they can get involved. Yeah, amazing. So, uh, Martine, tell me about uh, your role in the, in the movement and the committee. Did you take off? So for the past three years, um, I helped out sort of however we could. I, I went to the meetings because um, um, a couple of educators brought me along and uh, I had been doing um, uh, social justice education for uh, a few years before in New York. And um, so they, it felt like the BLM EDU group brought a whole bunch of different people that had been connected through organizations like NICOR, the New York City Collective of Radical Educators, a long time ago, Lalenia, I don't know if you uh, you used to be part of Recheck, which was the, like the the radical educate early childhood educators, um, um, and so it it felt really a natural connection to come and put together the uh, main. I think the first day that I went was this like curriculum planning session for a curriculum um, um, fair. Uh, so I was able to, this year I joined I joined the committee and this year I was able to plug in with the uh, educators that have been doing this work for a really long time. 
Um, and uh, since I, I facilitate a youth-led restorative justice group at my school, I was able to bring the youth and a few other teachers also brought youth. So um, I felt like this was this year we had a, we had youth during the whole planning session, um, which felt very good. Like we all were in school until 4 p.m. or 4.30 and then, um, you know, took, took the train to our meetings on Thursdays and and that felt that felt really good to be in community with the youth until you know eight or eight thirty and and then do it all over again the next day. So um, yeah, and and I've been I've been involved in um, in sort of like planning logistics of the like the the uh, launching event for this year's weeks of action was on my school and that was something that was um, very very much. Uh, youth facilitated like lots of youth from different parts even we had a student from um new jersey from montclair come and facilitate as well and uh it was an event in which the adults really got to to play a supporting role for the youth uh you know i think like denisha like drove at like seven or eight in the morning on a saturday just literally bringing like fruit cups and like chips and snacks and um and it was great to have the youth lead the event and they planned all these workshops that were planned for youth and uh, youth only. Um, and uh, I've been also involved a little bit on uh, the curriculum side, curriculum writing side, uh, specifically on the arts side, along with um, uh, a few other members. Amazing. Uh, and I'm going to ask you guys about, I'm really curious about the curriculum and where that's going, but I, I would like to hear from Lelania about your involvement. Um, yeah, so I had a bunch of colleagues from my school who were at Free Minds, Free People. And so when we heard that it was going national, I went and um, I went to the first meeting and the first meeting was a way to get involved with the 13 principles. And the first thing that I thought was, these are exactly how we teach our young people, but these words are going to be too confusing and teachers really want um, support. People, teachers want guidance. People want to know what can I say to young children. And so the first thing I did was to translate the 13 principles into kid-friendly language and write a guide to talking to young children about big ideas because that's what I do all the time. And so that work was really great because it turns out that what I heard from high school teachers is that they used the kid-friendly language to introduce the concepts of the 13 principles to their classes and then they could go on and have better conversations because it turns out in this country we are all about five years old when it comes to talking about race because we do right. not have a lot of practice and so talking about things and breaking them down to the most basic things really helps people to understand what is happening and one of the things that i recently told my kids when i was facilitating a discussion about what is happening right now in our country is that a way that they can help because they want to know how to help, right? They're five, they're six, they want to make the world a better place. And what I told them is that since they are experts on the 13 principles, they can tell people because there are people who don't know that there are 13 principles of Black Lives Matter. Can, you tell, really me the, can you tell me the 13 principles? Can I do them often? Maybe. <laughs> what you can do, whatever you can do. <laughs> Let's see. So empathy, diversity, black women, black families, black villages, globalism, intergenerational, um, restorative justice, loving engagement, collective value, queer affirming, trans affirming, and one more. What? Unapologetically black. And unapologetically black. There. Amazing. Good job. Very good. <laughs> Thanks. 
That was your teacher assessment for the year. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, my kids know them. And so what we've done at my school is we teach the 13 principles all year long, including the, uh, the posters that Karen Davidson made for us um, with my language on them. And then during the week of action, we focus on the demands so that kids can really think about activism is when you say something is wrong, this is what we want you to do instead. But the principles are how we live our lives and how we right. make communities and how we take care of each other. Right. So how are you getting these, how are you getting these principles? How are you getting this curriculum into the schools right now? And how is that going? There's lots of ways. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so nationally, we, we curate a curriculum, right? We get a committee of people who want to volunteer, put together a curriculum every year. We build off previous curriculum, right? And so then we'll, we'll put it all together in a shareable Google Doc that you can just download based on age level, right? So it'll, we'll have an early childhood curriculum, elementary, middle school. And then, of course, local cities also make their own curriculum sometimes. So sometimes we add those to the national. And so a lot of the work sometimes when we start planning in around late August, September, right, for the week of action, some folks start building out curriculum there, new lessons that they might want to do. Um, and then we, a lot of cities then host curriculum fairs, right, so that teachers can come and get the curriculum and actually have time to like talk with teachers who've taught it before, because that's another, we realize not everyone's ready to teach the materials, they need a little preparation. And so I went to one of the curriculum fairs we had at the Earth School in New York City preparing um, for, and I think you guys have, did, did, did more than one this year. Um, yeah, so it's a good way to get teachers out like a half a day on a Saturday to come out and, and, and review the materials and see some of the lessons. Is there a lot of professional development out there for teachers to, to do this? No. <laughs> okay. Well, a lot. What, what's, hap what's happening with that? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, on the teacher ed side, it's not, you know, it's just not something that's really done a lot and really well. We don't mandate that, student, you know, that students have to, that student, teachers even have to take any type of training on diversity, equity, inclusion, um, racism, any of that, right? A lot of schools do, but it's not, all, it's not necessarily required to get your license. So, and then, you know, one course is not enough, right? It takes ongoing professional development, coaching, engagement um, with it. And so it, it turns out there are people who want it, but, you know, getting it, getting it in a way where everyone's getting it, where the people who are doing the work are being paid to do it, because it is labor intensive to do that, right? And we shouldn't have to do it for free, right? Like bringing those people into schools and like paying for those services, we're just not there yet. But we're hoping, we are hoping that we will be. Yeah, I would, I would say that right now it like, it really functions um, like um, I don't want to say like maybe like the like the goodwill of the people. Somebody posts something on social media and somebody's like, "Hey, let me get that," uh, or like, "Hey, can we like when is your lunch break? Can you talk me through this lesson?" Or like somebody might post like uh, and even tag us on social media or be like, "Hey, I'm trying to do this. Can somebody does somebody know how to do that?" Um, and then I'll tag Lalena or La, like Lalena will tag me. And so a lot of it is creating this like webs of interaction that, that are not necessarily, uh, like we don't necessarily even know each other, even though we might teach in the same district. You know, right. I've, met, I've met a lot of teachers who have like tweeted at me and said, hey, like uh, I teach up the street from you and I heard that you did like a Black Lives Matter um, uh, chanting and drumming unit. Can you send it to me? Can I kick you back some money um, uh, on Venmo for the organization? So a lot of it is like, even though it's super like unorganized, it, it's also, there's like a beautiful part of like the people that really want to do it find, are finding out ways to reach out and right. to make it happen. Um, 
which I I think it's being uh, this is my fifteenth year um, in the classroom, and I have not yet finished. I still have like two more and a half more weeks. Um, I feel like those times, uh, yeah, obviously this should be more. This should be like we shouldn't have to like go out looking for it. Like Black Lives Matter curricula should be like part of how you get your teaching. Um, right, um, it should be man mandatory. Yeah, um, and and I think that that's what we're working towards, right? Like, if you're not a Black Lives Matter, uh, if you don't know how to teach Black Lives Matter, you shouldn't really be teaching. Period. That's it. Right. Um, and also knowing that it's dope to feel like, oh my gosh, like I just got this curriculum from this other person who I don't know, and and they got on like a phone call with me and gave me forty five minutes of their time. That's been I've developed a lot of beautiful connections based on just the solidarity of trying to make somebody else's school better. Right. You know, like, like I know that I got this, I've been doing it for a long time, but like a few months ago, a principal called me and said, hey, I like really wanna, uh, I, two years ago, I, I did a, a Black Lives Matter uh, uh, arts showcase at my school where everything was like uh, music of resistance and uh, Black Lives Matter music. And a principal called me and said, hey, like, I want to do that, but I actually have quite a lot of um, uh, conservative families in my school, so they would not want to do it. So I got to chat with a principal for just like 45 minutes on my lunch break. Um, and I think that a couple of months later, they had their own version of it. And so that instances like that feel pretty invigorating in times of like the angering part that like uh, some principal has to ask me a teacher or you know or like that that we couldn't just have like a black lives matter music performance the same way we have like uh you know uh snowflakes and uh you know chestnuts in december for like when right right um, right so so i mean how how do we get this into the mainstream because I, I didn't know about the 13 principles and I wish, you know, I, I'm looking at my education and it, 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 I'm kind of infuriated right now because I didn't have this in my education and why aren't, why don't I have this in my education? I teach in the inner city schools. I teach here in, in Brooklyn. So why didn't we have this and how close are we to getting this more mainstream? I know we, it's a loaded question. We didn't have it because of white supremacy. Yeah. And one of the demands is mandating Black history and ethnic studies. And what we know from Curtis Acosta's work in Arizona is that ethnic studies programs work and they work so well that a state legislature will outlaw them. And so we really need to be doing all of this anti-racist work in our schools so that when it turns out that suddenly kids of color are graduating at the same rates as their white counterparts, the state legislature doesn't step in and shut it down. Right. And so I think that is some, one of the things that is really important for everybody to kind of grapple with, is that it sounds really good, it requires a lot of work, it requires work over time, and it requires work that is uncomfortable. Yeah. Are you in conversations with, with the leaders of I work in the New York City DOE. Like, are you are, are we are, are you having these conversations with the people who really need to make that change from above? We had I mean, a superintendent a of, at one of our meetings. Mm -hmm. 
we have some principals who are supportive. The principal at CP, CEP1, you know, let us host events there. I think the biggest issue that's holding, well, not just New York, but one of the big issues that would help a lot is if we could get the UFT to endorse the Week of Action. Yes. Right? The, you, you know, most teachers in every city tries to get their unions to endorse the action because if your unions endorse the action, then you're not going to get pushback from a parent or someone else saying you can't teach that. You need the support of your union so that when parents and, and anyone complains, right, you have some support and say, well, the, the unions endorse it. NEA nationally has endorsed the Week of Action every year. So all the teachers who are part of an NEA union don't have to, that's one less thing they have to worry about. Some areas right. like Harris County, Maryland, they've even got money designated to it, right? Well, they'll even give cities money to, for the Week of Action. We can't get the UFT to even endorse why? the resolution, right? I don't because understand words, why. You know, the words Black Lives Matter, it, they don't to a lot of people, right? Those three words are enough to, to derail the whole thing, right? We still have people who don't believe that we should be saying that we should be saying that to children, Black Lives Matter. Maybe if we said uh, anti, you know, a diversity feel good curriculum, they'd be okay with that. But we know that that doesn't get us anywhere, right? And we right. have to be unapologetic when we say Black Lives Matter to young children, to all children, right? But, but we're not able to do that because there are still people and teachers and educators who, who, don't, who don't think that's appropriate and that's, and that's a problem. Do you think things are gonna change because of what's happening right now with the George Floyd protests? I mean, do you, do you feel that change is coming because it, it seems like the conversations are opening up? I'm curious what you guys feel about that. I mean, we do know there's a chance to push it, right? Like we're, we're going back to UFT. They're go I'm not in the UFT, so I shouldn't say we. I wish I was. I wish I could go to some of these meetings and like actually say something, <laughs> because, but I can't because I'm not a public school teacher in New York. Um, but we're going back, right? We're gonna keep, we're gonna try and, and use this opportunity to do something. We did see some some posts from the UFT that was all, you know, Black Lives Matter. We were like, really? Does this mean you're gonna endorse this? So, I mean, I don't know if we know it's gonna happen, but we're gonna keep pushing it. And we're gonna use this opportunity to continue to push it because that, that would help. I mean, there's a lot of things that can be done, but that's one area that, you know, that we definitely wanna keep, keep looking at. Yeah, I mean, as a UFT member, as somebody who has been trying also, with BLM EDU, with the Black Lives Matter School Week um, of Action Group, we've been really trying to push not just the UFT, but the city and nationally to adopt the demands. The UFT for the last three years um, had said that uh, they didn't want to endorse Black Lives Matter because the issue was too divisive, right? Like that's, that's what the president said, like, oh, we can't touch it, it's too divisive. So <clears throat> I think that he says, like, I, I'm really, um, it's really interesting when the people say the quiet parts loudly, it's really amazing, right? Like the issue of Black Lives Matter, it's not too divisive with the um, children. It's too divisive with the teachers, right? So like we also have to remember that, that the majority um, of teaching is white. Uh, I'm a music educator, like over like 86% of music teachers are white. Um, um, I don't have on me the, 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 the numbers of um, um, non-music teachers because uh, uh, my area of research is music education. Um, but um, one of the things that we are trying to do is now, now that the UFT ha put the hashtag out is we're trying to take that, take that momentum and take that time and say, okay, so you said it. Um, thank you for saying that we've been doing this work for four years. There's people that have been doing this work for 20, 30, 40, 50 years. Um, 
even longer than that um, in the city. Uh, our youth have been doing that work. Now let's actually make it happen. And I think like Denisha said, and like Elena said, like this is a great opportunity to keep on pushing and keep on pushing and we're not gonna let out. Now, the chancellor has come, I think that also in New York City, and this is a, as, a, as a Latino who like, I lived in the South for five years, I lived in New Orleans for five years, uh, and then I moved to New York with Hurricane Katrina. One thing that I've learned about New Yorkers and about New York, which I, I, I love is that like, New York is like the city of dreams and everybody talks a big game. Like I have heard that the chancellor has come to my school and has said Black Lives Matter and has said unapologetically black and we have to be unapologetically Mexican-American. And he has um, done the power fist with my black students, my brown students. And he has given us his commitment that he is for Black Lives Matter and he's gonna do everything that he can. Now, also, I know that as a, um, you know, I also know that he works in a system that is a white supremacist system. And this idea of expecting like a Mexican-American chancellor to come and, you know, with one hand just say like, no more white supremacy. I think it's like a little silly, uh, you know, like de Blasio just said that he's going to paint Black Lives Matter in every uh, um, um, borough of, of New York City. I'm like, save the paint and buy some, you know, there's a great oh teaching Black God. Lives Don't paint the streets, outfit every teacher with a uh, teaching Black Lives Matter book. That'd be great. So I'm always a little bit wary of like, as we're doing this fight uh, towards like pushing for Black Lives Matter in the schools, I like, I know that talking is cheap. Like I, we need to push for actions that actually benefit our kids. Um, you know, although I'm, I'm always also down for streets being painted with yellow. <laughs> So like, so what can I do? What can other, when people are going to be listening to this podcast, I want to take action myself. And I know a lot of people are going to be hearing this and want to take action. So tell me what, what can we do to get this, this curriculum out there and how do we keep pushing for it? I mean, I think really people need to know about the 13 principles Okay. and about that. I think many people think Black Lives Matter is just about police brutality. And it is in response to police brutality because that is one of the problems of our society. But these 13 principles really give us a blueprint for a society where people take care of each other. And it is not, it is an inclusive society where people are safe. And I think that's one reason why teachers of young children, this speaks so clearly to us because our kids are on it every year. And every year when I make a memory book with my five sixes, at least one kid says, my favorite memory is that we did Black Lives Matter. And it is often not a black kid. And I think it is really important because they understand that it includes all children and all people. And they don't have to say, oh, but all lives matter because they understand what we're saying. They understand right. that we are responding to injustice and they don't feel left out. And they would be very confused to hear about all these adults who feel left out. Right. Um, and so I feel like we should you know, share our Instagram and all of those things because that's where there's access and the national curriculum and there's, it's on the, it's on the internet. And do I have it written down? I do not, but maybe Denisha does. 
putting you on I this. mean, no, you can go to the national website, blacklivesmatteratschool.com. Uh, I don't think we have all the New York City stuff there, but that's a good way, place to start. You can email us nationally, blacklivesmatteratschool2 uh, at gmail.com. Um, but yeah, you can do a search for New York City Black Lives Matter at school and you'll find the webpage, the Twitter handle, the Instagram, and all of these things. Um, yeah, and to Lenny's point, like we're both early childhood people. So if I could get every early childhood teacher to do what she's doing and to just teach these principles, you know, every year I write a blog and on an early childhood blog about the week of action, I get somebody telling me, oh, Black Lives Matter is a terrorist organization. I'm like, where do you see terror in, in loving engagement, in diversity, in globalism, in restorative justice, in any of these principles, right? So, but you know, last year at the week of action, there's a, there's a, a, a preschool in Brooklyn that was doing it. And I got invited to come out um, and, and see their, their, their like celebration that they do. And I'm surrounded by two-year-olds to five-year-olds singing Black Lives Matter songs and just being really joyous about it. And I said, if we can get every kid in the city to do this, it's a lot easier to get a five-year-old to be like, oh yeah, of course, Black Lives Matter, than to try and get a 17-year-old or a 28-year-old or someone, you know, if we just start at the, at the base level, we can really grow this movement. Because like Lelaine said, this comes natural to young children. They have a keen sense about fairness and justice. And if you explain to them, well, we have a problem with people devaluing Black lives, they're gonna say, that's not fair. What can we do, right? And so we right. just really need to start with them. And we need to start with parents of really young children and getting them to know why this is important. And not just for Black children. We need white children and white parents to be like, yes, Black Lives Matter. And I can say that and my child can say that. And we can tell people, you know? One of the, the at the, the center I went to, they told me a story. They had done their celebration last year. Mom said she, you know, picked her daughter up in Brooklyn, took her on the subway. And they're just on the train. And the, and the little girl looks over at this man and she goes, Black Lives Matter. And he was like, oh, thank you, right? They do. And the mom didn't know what to say. And this is, you know, imagine if we just had children all over saying that to the adults. Maybe we could get them in check, right? So, Amazing. yeah, I we think we, we just have to start really young. Yeah. Well, I know I'm going to look up the uh, 13 principles. And um, I'm going to post on this podcast all the sites that you're giving me right now. I, I will make sure that we have links to all of to everything that you guys are doing right now. We only have a couple minutes left before we have to cut out, but um, is there any last thoughts that you want to share? I mean, I guess like one of the things that, that um, I feel like it's the call of education, especially in uh, white supremacist, patriarchal, um, imperialistic um, um, society as Bell Hooks uh, would say, I'm totally not saying it in order, and I know that the order matters. Um, uh, so apologies. But um, we have to undo, we have to undo the miseducation of the people, which is actually one of the main ways, uh, as well as language and capitalism, how white supremacy uh, uh, thrives. Like curricula, which actually means like to run, like to go through a path is there as a liberatory praxis, you know, it's, it's not inherently liberatory, but it can be, and it must be. Like, and because nobody is a monolith, you know, I, like I have had um, Latino and black students challenge Black Lives Matter and say, no brother, all lives matter. Um, but that there is a social historical um, reason for why that is, right? And so if we cannot undo the miseducation of the people through curricula, if we can't do that at school, then what is the role of schooling for? Right. You know, 
if we can't, if La Leña can't sit with a five and six year old and I can't sit with a 17 year old and Denisha can't sit with a 22 year old and we can be like, all right, so um, what does it mean to be uh, uh, loving engaging? What does it mean to be queer affirming in a society that is neither loving engaging or nor queer affirming? Like how do we break down that so that we transform this world that into something new, into something better. Um, that's the role of education. That's the role yeah. of schooling. Um, uh, anyways, uh, I, yeah, I, no, that's I'm, amazing. No, thank you. Um, thank you um, to all three of you for coming on. This is a really special special episode. Um, I've learned so much from you, and I promise to keep learning more and more about this. Thank you for telling me about the um, thirteen principles. I am going to be looking on your site. I'm going to be um, make, I'm advocating for what you are doing right now. And thank you for making a gigantic difference in the world. So thank you for being on the Warriors of Education podcast, everyone. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks for having <laughs> us. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, we hope you'll be able to participate in the I, I'm going to be there. One week of action, whether it's virtual or in person, <laughs> it is happening. We can tell you I that. Will, <laughs> I will be there. Thank you so much. Yes. This has been the Warriors of Education podcast, dedicated to all the hardworking teachers across this country. We hear you, we see you, we honor you. Thank you.